0: Uh, is sort of uh, if we really were setting the world straight it would be one thing but uh, when you think of some of the interve- interventions where the U.S. Uh, has uh, made around the world uh, we did not set the world straight we just kind of installed uh, uh, one dictator after another in different places around uh, everywhere and what gives uh that gives us a right to do this is sort of uh, really uh, kind of uh, beyond me. So uh, anyway, the situation in Ukraine is uh, kind of uh, moving along. Uh, Whether it's going to be resolved, I don't know. Uh, There's a very interesting article by Medea Benjamin and Nicholas Davies uh, about, um, well, the title is... uh, articles article was Peace Talks Essential as War Rages on in Ukraine. And so they go into the uh, uh, background of what's uh, going on there and, and sort of trying to uh, see a way out that uh, uh, takes everybody's opinion into account. So uh, uh, Consortium News, like our caller uh, mentioned, is a, uh, is a very good source of information. So I want to recommend that, that Consortium News. So you've been listening to uh, Fight the Empire on KBOO. It's your radio station, and we always need your support and your input. Uh, it's a uh, listener-operated station. You can be part of KBOO, part of uh, part of what makes a station uh, uh, function. So uh, this is kind of a, a, an experiment and kind of uh, a radio democracy at KBOO. It's your radio station all of this stuff. This is Fight the Empire signing out, and stay tuned.
1: You're listening to KBOO Portland, 90.7 FM. The time is 9.30 a.m.
2: I remember straight people. Yeah, they had a nice run. Clarence
3: Thomas and
4: all the homophobes on the Supreme Court. I could see be a better
0: boyfriend than him. I want to dedicate this to all of the queer kids out there.
4: Everyone from Bach to Handel, Mozart, Gluck, they all were writing music for these castrated men. So there's all this tradition of high voiced male singing from the Baroque period, and we sing a lot of that music.
1: to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Greg Gordon. A top Caribbean court kills St. Kitts and Nevis' anti-gay sex laws, MTV awards boost a bunny, a billy, and a dove, and queer countertenor Costanzo goes for a baroque. Those stories and more this week now that you've chosen This Way Out.
2: I'm Tanya Kane perry And I'm David Hunt. With NewsRoute, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending September 3rd, 2022. The ban on sex between men in St. Kitts and Nevis has been struck down effective immediately. The Eastern Caribbean Supreme Court found that laws against unnatural offenses that included attempted sodomy and the abominable crime of buggery were unconstitutional. Jamal Jeffries is the gay man who brought the suit along with the nonprofit group St. Kitts and Nevis Alliance for Equality. High Court Judge Trevor Ward wrote the August 30th ruling. In Ward's opinion, those criminal laws interfere with the claimant's right to determine the way they, as individuals, choose to express their sexuality in private with another consenting adult The St. Kitts and Nevis government argued that freedom of expression does not extend to sexual orientation. Overturning the laws, it claimed, could alter and compromise the survival of the culture and personality of the Federation established on the belief in Almighty God. Some 30 Christian churches represented by the Evangelical Association of St. Kitts filed an affidavit supporting the laws. Judge Ward's ruling quoted it saying, "...the moral and religious fiber of the community should influence any interpretation of the Constitution." He countered their argument with, "...public morality is not synonymous with religious dogma or public opinion."
5: Equality is taking another step forward in India. Its Supreme Court issued a ruling on August 30th declaring that same-gender couples and other non-traditional families are entitled to legal protections and social benefits. The case involved maternity leave benefits. Deepika Singh first got them after adopting her husband's children from a previous marriage. Then she conceived a child of her own, but was denied the benefits when she applied for them again. It's the inclusive and surprisingly specific language of Justice D.Y. Chandra Chud's ruling that has LGBTQ advocates cheering. He wrote for the two-judge panel that the law must not be relied upon to disadvantage families which are different from traditional ones. Familial relationships may take the form of domestic, unmarried partnerships, or queer relationships, and are equally deserving, not only of protection under the law, but also of the benefits available under social welfare legislation. As the New York Times pointed out, the Supreme Court's judgment is final, but the highest court in the world's second most populous nation has limited enforcement powers. This, and the fact that many family matters are settled out of court, mean that the ruling may not have much practical effect. That's especially true in India's more conservative regions. Nevertheless, women's rights groups joined LGBTQ advocates to celebrate the win for both constituencies. The latest direct challenge to India's laws, specifically denying same-gender couples civil marriage rights, is working its way through the country's complicated court system.
2: Trouble is brewing in Belgrade. Serbian President Aleksandr Vočić has announced the cancellation of EuroPride, but organizers of the September 12th through 18th event disagree. A different European city hosts the annual LGBTQ Pride Festival and Parade each year. Belgrade was selected three years ago to host in 2022, in part to encourage equality moves in the Balkan country. Right-wing religious officials and politicians turned up the pressure, and President Vucic bowed. He claimed on August 28 that domestic challenges and an ongoing dispute with neighboring Kosovo would threaten the safety of all concerned during the scheduled celebration. The Serbian Orthodox Church has spearheaded public outrage over the prospect of proudly out queers in the streets of Belgrade. Church officials have organized several protest demonstrations, one the day after Vocik announced the cancellation. Many carried crucifixes and pictures of major religious figures. Christina Garina is the president of the European Pride Organizers Association, the group that sponsors EuroPride and chose Belgrade for the event. She joined the defiant local organizers to insist that the president did not have the power to cancel someone else's event, she said. EuroPride in Belgrade will not be canceled and will bring together thousands of LGBTI plus people from across Europe with LGBTI plus people from Serbia and the wider Western Balkans. It will allow Serbia to show that it is on the road to being a progressive, welcoming European nation. What Serbian authorities must do is stand firm against those bullies and protect the event.
5: A U.S. federal appeals court has upheld the right of doctors with sincerely held religious beliefs to refuse to treat transgender patients. The New Orleans-based 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals issued its decision on August 26th. It overruled an Obama-era mandate that federally funded health care providers must perform gender-affirming health care and provide insurance coverage for it. The Trump administration dumped the rules, but they were restored under President Biden. A three-judge panel agreed with the Franciscan Alliance, a Roman Catholic Church-sponsored healthcare network. It argued that the non-discrimination requirements are an unlawful government overreach that violate First Amendment religious liberty rights. Two of the three judges were Trump appointments. Given the U.S. Supreme Court's lurch to the right, attorneys for the Biden administration's Health and Human Services Department and the ACLU may choose not to roll the dice on a high court review of the decision, at least for now
2: the Indiana Supreme Court issued a ruling on August 31st supporting a Roman Catholic school that fired a gay teacher for getting married. Joshua Payne Elliott taught world language and social studies at Cathedral High School in Indianapolis from 2006 until June 2019. That's when the local archdiocese required all its schools to enforce morality by banning employees from legally marrying a same-gender partner. Joshua had married Layton Payne Elliott two years earlier. The state's top court agreed with a lower court saying, religious freedom Protected by the First Amendment to the United States Constitution, encompasses the right of religious institutions to decide for themselves, free from state interference, matters of church government. The terminated teacher's attorney, Kathleen Delaney, told reporters that her client is weighing his legal options
5: religious freedom strikes again, this time in favor of a Kansas teacher who refused to use a trans male student's preferred pronouns after she was counseled to do so. According to legal filings, Pamela Ricard rejected a classmate's recommendation that she use the student's preferred male first name and pronouns. Instead, Ricard addressed him using Miss and his last name. Her lawyers from the infamously anti-queer Alliance Defending Freedom inexplicably called that a show of respect and described her as a devout Christian. Ricard was suspended for three days. The state court ordered Geary County Schools to pay Ricard $95,000 for the suspension. She retired in May. The district has since implemented an official policy calling on school staff to be aware of and make an effort to utilize the pronouns and individual requests to be identified by.
2: Finally, the man known as the Donald Trump of the tropics is in legal hot water, although it's small compared to that of his namesake. Federal police have asked prosecutors to charge President Jair Bolsonaro with spreading false information about COVID-19. This, according to reports late last month in the Brazilian newspaper O Globo. A federal police investigator specifically cited Bolsonaro's claim that people who were vaccinated against COVID-19 risked getting HIV-AIDS. Bolsonaro is notorious for regularly spewing inflammatory, anti-queer, misogynistic, macho-bravado rhetoric. This time, it could get him up to six months behind bars for incitement if he's convicted as charged, according to the O Globo report. Bolsonaro is in a tight race for re-election against former Brazilian President Luiz Ignacio Lula da Silva. Voters will issue their verdict on October 2nd.
5: That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending September 3rd, 2022. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community.
2: For this way out, I'm Tanya Kane Perry. Stay healthy. And I'm David Hunt. Stay safe.
1: A bit later in the program. Uh, uh, He kissed a girl, then a boy. Bad Bunny's sexually fluid backup dancer Oscurations got cheers from the audience at the August 28th MTV Video Music Awards. The Puerto Rican rapper and queer rights advocate was crowned the first non-English speaking artist of the year. Presenter Billy Eichner's shameless movie plug hit another high note for equality.
3: Some of you know me as Billy on the street, but on September 30th, I have a movie coming out called Bros. Gay sex was more fun when straight people were uncomfortable with it.
2: Oh my god, do you guys remember straight people? Yeah, they had a nice run. Bros is
3: making history as the first gay rom com ever made by a major studio. And I need you all there in theaters on September 30th because we need to show Clarence Thomas and all the homophobes on the Supreme Court that we won gay love stories and we support LGBTQ people.
1: Best New Artist winner, Dove Cameron, topped an impressive list of our nominees. I
0: I want to dedicate this uh, to all of the queer kids out there who don't feel that they can take up space and inhabit the fullness of who they are. Thank you for getting an overtly queer song onto mainstream radio. Thank you for supporting me as the person and the artist that I am. I hope that um, in that way you've also given that same privilege to yourself. I love you so much. Thank you, MTV. Thank you, Columbia Records. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Other queer winners at this year's MTV Video Music Awards included Best Collaboration and Best Visual Effects winners Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow and Best Choreography winner Doja Cat.
2: Hi, this is Janice Ian and you're listening to This Way Out. Oh my... This Way Out is supported in part by contributions from our listeners. Some
3: give a little each month. Some make a larger annual contribution.
1: More information and a link to give are online at thiswayout.org.
3: Thank you.
2: You do get this nowhere else. That's the truth. <laughs>
1: Queer countertenor, nabbed the 2022 Best Opera Recording Grammy, is taking the music world by storm, and this way that's Brian DeShazer has been swept away. In November of
3: 2016, I attended the Philip Glass opera Akhenaten at the Los Angeles Opera and was instantly drawn to the extraordinary performance by Anthony Roth Costanzo in the lead role. On July 14th, 2022, I had the privilege of welcoming him to This Way Out to talk about his life as an out opera singer, educator activist, and his collaboration with trans cabaret singer, mix Justin
4: Vivian Bond. Thank you so much, Brian. It's such a pleasure to be with you.
3: I'm so happy. Um, Let's first talk about your voice.
4: Yeah, basically it's just a, a man who's singing in falsetto Um, and, you know, this high-pitched head voice register that we usually associate with a woman. But the tradition goes back to castrated men in the 18th century who were the stars of opera, and everyone from Bach to Handel, Mozart, Gluck, they all were writing music for these castrated men. So there's all this tradition of high-voiced male singing from the Baroque period, and we sing a lot of that music. But then, of course, we hear falsetto singers all the time in pop music, you know, from Prince to Michael Jackson to Justin Timberlake and Justin Bieber, you know, just about every great singer, uh, pop singer is using their falsetto. So what I'm doing is just a kind of more operatic, well-cultivated version of that.
3: Anthony won the 2022 Grammy Award for Best Opera Recording for his performance in the titular role in Philip Glass's Akhenaten. spoke to him about the gender fluidity of the pharaoh.
4: Well no, I mean Akhenaten has been a kind of queer icon to some people in part because we see Akhenaten's statues and the actual artifacts depicting feminine features like breasts and hips and lips and people question whether maybe he was intersex but there's this idea that you know Akhenaten being the first monotheist and his god being the sun That Akhenaten had had seen the sun as the unification of man and woman. And in an attempt to get closer to God as a pharaoh, he tried to bring himself somewhere between man and woman, at least in depictions in art, but maybe in real life as well. And so, you know, if we look at him through our modern lens, was he in some way non binary or, uh, or queer or, you know, or intersex or something like that? But clearly he wasn't so concerned with being portrayed in this stereotypically masculine way, even in those times. And he changed a lot of the way artistic representation was executed in those times. And therefore, um, you know, he, he, I think has earned his place as a queer icon. I think this idea that Akhenaten, you know, he begins very, um, very male in that we see him entirely naked and I enter totally naked, but then, um, as the show progresses, we see breasts appear. And so there's this question that is visually asked um, without having to be addressed in the libretto or anything like that. Um, and in that sense, it's kind of normalized. I mean, we just accept that that is a part of Akhnaten's progression. Um, and that feels uh, basically as radical as Akhnaten was himself, the normalization of that kind of thing in antiquity.
3: Now, you brought up the, the, the fact of uh... The nakedness at the beginning um well, and it was about yeah. the transformation and birth
4: of Akhnaten, right i mean we we tried to make it into as much of a ritual as possible there's no nothing silly or sensational about it there's no great you know sort of shocking reveal or running around the stage or anything it's um it feels more like a baptism or a you know some some kind of ritual that takes the the shock away from uh, what would normally be quite a shocking thing in the opera house. I think it was probably the first full frontal nudity at LA opera where you saw it and and also at the Met. So, um, for a male at least, um, so yeah, so it, it's, it's something that has really become a way to develop a, a kind of intimacy with the audience rather than, um, a sensationalism.
3: Anthony is dedicated to music education at the grassroots level, both in the classroom and out in the streets, literally.
4: Yeah, you know, over the pandemic I proposed to the New York Philharmonic this project called The Bandwagon, and it was really the first live music by a major institution that was happening in the city, and we incorporated all different partners, um, communities, voices into this initiative. It wasn't just members of the New York Philharmonic on the back of a pickup truck, it was guests, it was programmed by different people, we commissioned different composers, Um, and of course I was a big part of it. And we went around the city and we did over 120 concerts, I think, with the bandwagon um, in all different boroughs. And, uh, you know, I was very much myself. And I remember saying to the horn players once, uh, I I had um, some of the brass section of the fill there and I was singing a brass arrangement of I Feel Pretty from West Side Story. Um, And I said something to these kind of macho brass players, you know, like, um, I know that you all are, uh, you know, when we're done with this song, you're going to have to wipe the lipstick out of the mouthpieces of your uh, instruments. And, you know, they laughed. And so to the extent to which we could make it into a joyful thing, I wasn't worried about being in different neighborhoods throughout Manhattan and being authentic um, because it was using music and the joy of bringing people together through live performance again as a way, as a rallying cry basically. Um, And so that was very gratifying and similarly, with the Met we did the Pride Parade um, twice where we were on a float and singing live during the parade as we went down Fifth Avenue and it was just it's it's great fun but you know in general I feel like engagement on a grassroots level and this Creation of community that extends beyond just the queer community for me, but really understanding what the points of access are into other people's stories and what they are in my art form and my story for others, you know, has really helped me to grow what I can do artistically and um, to feel more a part of the world and and also a part of the zeitgeist, because opera is quite, you know, uh, on the margins. And uh, I think part of the way we bring it a little bit more uh, into people's lives as they exist today is to use it to tell their stories.
3: One of Anthony's projects is his collaboration with singer-songwriter and cabaret performer mixed Justin Vivian Bond in an album and show both called Only an Octave Apart.
4: Friend to see Viv perform at Joe's Pub, and I was so taken. You know, I really didn't know anything about the experience of being trans, about the trans community, anything about that. And I was nervous. I remember being nervous that, you know, was it, was this drag, or what was it different? Or I, I didn't understand, you know? I, I just didn't have a concept of that. Viv came on the stage, and within 10 seconds, I forgot any concern, question, or thought I had about that. And I was able to just connect to this person who was an incredible performer, and I immediately wanted to be close to them. So um, I remember they needed a perform a, a guest star for their their set the next night, and I uh, I said, "Can I can I be the the special guest?" And Viv said, "Well, okay." Uh, Pushing down on me, pushing down on you, no man has for Under pressure, it burns a building down,
3: splits a family in two, puts people on streets.
4: Now that we've we've gotten to know each other, we've become friends. Uh, we really we have a real affinity personally together, but also artistically. And I think one thing we've we've zeroed in on is that we both look different from the way we sound fundamentally. And so the juxtaposition of the sounds, of the looks, the kind of dichotomy between high and low—me being uptown, quote unquote—and from the opera world and being downtown in cabaret—and you know the difference in height, the difference in tessitura, all of those high-low, you know, cultural things—have um, made it both very funny and very poignant for us to find things. Together, places where we really align, and places where we seem so radically different. Um, but ultimately, it becomes a kind of allegory for uh, how we all work together in society, and 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 how these people on the margins, or as we say, and under pressure on the edge of the night, can uh, find a sense of love and belonging and hilarity and sadness and all of these different emotions that we go through. So it's become quite a layered project, I would say. You know, we thought it was going to be hilarious to begin with. And then we recorded the Kate Bush, Peter Gabriel duet Don't Give Up on our album, uh, Only an Octave Apart. And we sat in the studio and listened to it. And then we both got teary thinking about what those words meant in this particular configuration musically. And um, that's when we knew we had something special and we built a show out of our album, Only an Octave Apart, which is, um, which is available now. I'll
0: return to where we were I will go down with this ship And I won't put my hands up and surrender above my door i'm in love and
4: always will be and i will go down with this shit and
0: i won't put my hands up and surrender there will be no white flag above
4: my I think that one thing i've discovered and 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 part of um, you know, working with Justin Vivian Bond and being queer in New York and all of that is that it's not only about who you are and then you go in and you do your art on stage and, and you know, you, you bring a little bit of yourself to that. But really you have to bring um, the sensibility and the queer um, identity into the art making itself. And if you do that, um, it becomes something somehow that's more universal. Um, just like music is kind of universal. You don't have to necessarily understand anything about it to feel the emotion of it. And so I've tried to make sure that my uh, identity enters everything I do in lots of different ways. And being queer is a, is a big part of that. And as the years have gone on, and I've, I've figured out how to do that better and better and how to create projects and weave narrative threads which pull that aspect out. It's been um, honestly one of the most joyful aspects of performing is to um, put that queerness forward and not do it in an aggressive way or a um, accusatory way to the audience, but rather in a way which welcomes everybody into this uh, space. All right, Anthony, thank
3: you so much and have a great day and best of luck with everything you do. I'm a big fan.
4: Thank you. It was a great time talking to you, and I'll see you soon.
3: Music Heard was Handel, Tolomeo, Hymn to the Sun from Akhenaten by Philip Glass, Burn Glass, Liquid Days by Anthony Roth Costanza.